I know I've said this before, but I, I feel more strongly about it now than ever. I believe in God because I believe in Jesus. And, I be- and one reason I believe in Jesus is because the people that I see who are the most like Jesus are the hope of the world. Of course, way too many Christians are nothing like Jesus, and that, that's a big problem, but it's those who are most like Jesus that give me hope. And I'm excited to begin this series with you today, uh, Go With a New Flow on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where we unwrap the genius of Jesus. So this fall, we're going to be walking through uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And I would add this, if you're a disciple of Jesus, or maybe you're just sort of considering, would you ever want to be one, that I would invite you to try this experiment, and that is to spend 10 to 15 minutes a day, as often as you can, in mountain time. Mountain time. By mountain time, I mean reading a verse or two or three from the Sermon on the Mount, and then just taking some time to ponder over it and pray over it. Now, we have a couple of ways that we can help you with uh, Mountain Time. If you prefer a printed study guide, then we've got these for you. They say on the cover, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And uh, we have these out at the table that says Connect Center, which is right next to the elevator. And uh, so if you spend a little time each day, you could just maybe look at one or two of these questions and jot down some responses. Uh, By the way, Today's the last day that we're going to have these. So now's your time to pick them up. I also want you to know that we've got about 20 or more groups that are using this, going through this series with us. So if you say, well, wouldn't that be cool to try this, to be in a group? We can set that up. Uh, Go talk to Holly out at that table, that Connect table, and she can kind of give you the spread of all the kind of groups we have and where they meet and what time. Uh, we'd love this. This would be a perfect time, a perfect time to, to try that. And then for mountain time, if you'd rather do, instead of buy a book, if you'd rather do something free and online, well, we have options for you there. Uh, I am writing a daily guide that you can use, and you can access it on our Facebook app, or, or excuse me, our, our Faith Westwood app, or on Facebook or Twitter. Um, and if you're in a group, then you can kind of talk to your uh, leader if you don't have any of those about getting a copy. So uh, I believe that if you spend a little time in mountain time every day or nearly every day, you're going to see some big changes happening in your life. If you open yourself to Jesus and his agenda, he's going to transform your life, and you're going to start to see the world differently. I have here on the screen a picture of what's known as the traditional site for the uh, Sermon on the Mount, taken from the Sea of Galilee. Uh, And uh, right before, and there's a a church on there now, but uh, right before Jesus went up on that mountain to teach, he was healing lots of people. And the more people he healed, of course, the more people heard about it, and then more people came. And then Jesus walks up this hill this mount and his disciples come with him and a whole bunch of the crowds also follow along Um, now you wonder why did Jesus go up on the mount 
on the mountain to, to talk. Well, maybe it was just practical, you know. People can see him and hear him better. But maybe there's another reason. You see, some 13 centuries before, Moses went up on a mountain to receive the law of God, and he came down with the Ten Commandments plus a whole bunch of other stuff. Now Jesus goes up on a mountain to bring a higher revelation. And he begins with the nine Beatitudes, the nine blessings. Uh, we call them Beatitudes because um, the, word, the Latin word Beatitude is the, is the word for blessing. So uh, I remember back in 2014, I went um, uh, on our church's first mission trip to Costa Rica. And by the way, I'm planning to go again this coming spring. We're putting the team together for that. But all five teams that we've sent so far have spent time serving in a slum area of San Jose called Terrasas. And while we're there, we work alongside the missionaries uh, who live and serve there year in, year out. And anyway, I remember our first day in Terrasas. We drove up, in the, I think it was in the afternoon, and uh, when we got inside, we watched her, uh, missionary Horacio leading about 35 kids in singing these Christian kids' songs. While we were doing that, our host, Carlos, he walks up to me, and he bends down, and he whispers in my ear, and he said, well, we've had a little miscommunication about what's going to be happening uh, right now. Would you be willing to talk to the kids about the Beatitudes? And I said, when? And he said, in about five or ten minutes. And so I gulped, and I said, okay, and I prayed. But I remember when I got up to stand before these children, I just looked out at their faces, and they were, they were so eager and receptive and trusting. And uh, so I, I asked them, tell me a, a time when uh, uh, you've had a happy surprise. And one raised a hand and said, you know, getting a good grade. And someone else says, well, getting to eat my favorite food. And I asked them if they ever had any happy surprises on their birthdays, and they all giggled and went like this, you know. And I said, you know, it may be easy for, uh, for, for you to look at those of us from the, United States, from the United States and think that we're really blessed. But Jesus looks at you, and he says that you are blessed. He has happy surprises for you. And so from there, I began to talk to the kids about the first four Beatitudes. And then I invited them to come up uh, and receive a blessing. And so one by one, they, they came forward and they stood before me and I placed my hands on each one's head and I said, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And I remember the last kid who came forward, this little boy, he must have been about eight years old, and he looked up at me, and those eyes just seemed to say so much, like he was saying, is there a blessing left for me? And then he bowed his head, and I placed my hands on his head and, and spoke the blessing. It makes you wonder, doesn't it, who's really blessed in this world? Well, we don't always see it the same way, so here's a video 
to get us thinking about those questions about what does it mean to be blessed. Let's watch. So check it out, got that new iPhone 7. This bad boy is slick. Dude, no one cares. Well, clearly, jealousy don't look good on you, bro. I'm not jealous. I also have a phone that does things. Does things. Well, I'm about to post my first post. Just got the new iPhone 7. Hashtag, uh, hashtag bless. Oh, Why dude. Send that bad boy. Do not read your Facebook status post out loud to me. It's super weird. And don't post hashtag blessed about material things. Why? It's gross. Gross? Dude, my mom bought me this phone. Man, I just feel blessed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, in that case, you should have posted, I just got a new iPhone 7. Hashtag sad. Hashtag ashamed. Hashtag poor. Hashtag can I get a sandwich? Dude, everybody knows that when you get cool stuff or you go on fresh vacations, you're blessed. What's the big deal? Dude, it's not because being <laughs> blessed is like about the Bible and God and it's about being humble and having mercy and loving people and stuff like that. What are you talking about? Bro, I've never seen you go to church. I've never even seen you wake up before 1 p.m. on a Sunday. Yeah, but I, I grew up in church. I remember things. Thing. Oh, yeah. I, I just didn't know you were so passionate about the Bible, dude. I'm not passionate about the Bible. I'm just saying, <laughs> saying hashtag blessed about material things is stupid. Wow. Somebody should be a preacher. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You are ridiculous. Ridiculous, man. Listen, all I know is this. I've never read the Bible. I've never been to church. I see Bruno Mars post stuff. On, on on social media when he gets new things and he's like blessed hashtag blessed what's the big deal man dude it's just read the bible for yourself alright and you'll see okay yeah I'd read the bible for myself if I could put an app on this phone on my new iPhone 7 on my blessed phone but you and I both know that ain't about to happen there are literally thousands of bible apps wow bro I just feel that passion flowing out of you. You should just be the Pope. How about that? Okay, well, that's our introduction to those guys. I think we're going to see them again in future weeks uh, talk, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. Now, let's open our Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 3. Uh, you'll see it begins on page 968 in the Pew Bible. And uh, you came today, you don't own a Bible just take that pew Bible home. It's yours. It's a gift. You don't have to, you know, return it later. Just keep it. Uh, and if you're wondering where to begin, I think Matthew 5 would be a great place to start. Now, as we go through these uh, verses, um, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go back and forth. And I'm going to read the first part of the verse, starting with blessed. And then you read the rest of the verse, second part, where it begins with the word for. All right? So let's give that a try on verse 3. Are you with me? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, Jesus introduces the kingdom of heaven, which you could also say God's kingdom, but he's introducing it to this world. He says the kingdom belongs to the poor in spirit, that they are blessed. What does that mean to be blessed? Now, in the Bible, 
when someone, when someone blesses you, a transaction is taking place. When, when you sneeze and someone says, bless you, it's meant to impart something. Now, how the world usually works, or at least how we often think, is that uh, the, rich in spirit are, the rich in spirit are supposed to get all the blessings. You know, the people who go to church every Sunday, and they, they read the Bible every day, and they, they remember to pray before they eat meals, and, they, and they're the ones who deserve God's blessings. And you think that you're really blessed if you have a nice home and you have plenty of food and a comfortable life. We almost expect Jesus to offer a Thanksgiving Day blessing for all of the bounty we have received. But he doesn't, does he? He says, blessed or blessed, you can say it either way, blessed or the poor in spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? The Hebrew word, uh, anawim, means not only those who are materially poor, but they feel crushed by this spiritual poverty, crushed in spirit. Life has ground them down. But Jesus has a happy surprise for them. Jesus blesses you who struggle to keep food on the table every day and you cry out in anguish. Jesus blesses you who have dreamed for a better life and you just seem to come up empty. Jesus blesses you who feel like a failure. He says, I have come to bring God's kingdom especially for you. Fred, Frederick Dale Bruner wrote my favorite commentary on Matthew's gospel, and he says the poor in spirit are like the tax collector in Jesus' parable. Uh, remember that guy? He went to the temple to pray, but he, the tax collector felt so ashamed of himself. Uh, he wouldn't even look up to God. He, he had nothing to offer but his failure. He was spiritually bankrupt, and he, he beat his chest. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amazingly, Jesus said that the tax collector went home in a restored relationship with God. He was blessed. And we're the tax collector, all of us. We are rock-bottom sinners crying out to God for mercy. And we hear Jesus speak these beautiful words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's go to verse 4. And again, I'll start, you finish. Blessed are those who mourn. He's not saying that, that we should seek to be sad you know, or try to be grief-stricken, but to all who do mourn, Jesus has a blessing. Now, there are a lot of reasons to mourn. We mourn for the victims of uh, Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. We mourn for victims of violence in our streets of our own city. We mourn for this, this couple here in Omaha, maybe you saw it in the news this last week, whose two-and-a-half-year-old fell from a cliff and died while the family was vacationing in Arizona. That little boy, Ravon, spent five days a week in this building because he was a part of our Love and Learn Child Care Center. We mourn for him. We mourn with his mom and dad. And how precious it is to hear Jesus say, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In verse 5, Help me again. Jesus says, 
Blessed are the meek. The Israelites of the Bible had a faith that I think still sounds weird. Uh, strange to our ears. They believe that God is just even when life is not. That God is just even when life is not. And when you read the Psalms, it's just filled with this, with this tension, faith-filled tension. Uh, now, in today's world, who are the ones that seem to always climb to the top? Well, it's probably never changed in all of human history. It's the ruthless, the aggressive, the violent. But God says their days are numbered. Psalm 37, 11 says that when God comes to reign, and here's the quote, the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Jesus says at the end of history, it will not be the ruthless, aggressive, and violent who will rule. Jesus blesses the meek. He blesses the powerless, the oppressed. Now, the rich and the powerful... They seem to always be the ones who get invited to speak at these motivational conferences, right? And they tell their wannabes how to be rich and powerful like they are. But the meek are rarely rich, and they never are seen as powerful. Gruner calls them the little people. Blessings on the little people. Let me tell you about two people you've never heard of. Here they are. They're not rich. They're not powerful. Last spring, this couple from Spokane celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary. Their names are Harvey and Irma. Isn't that something? Actually, I found this. I, I, I googled those names and, and found this article about them. I even called the reporter of that local newspaper who wrote the story several months ago about him, and he said that because of their names, the New York Times had recently picked up this story. Harvey and Irma are members of the Free Methodist Church in Spokane, but they're not the kind of people who would ever get noticed. They raised their two children, and over the years, Irma and Harvey also served as foster parents for more than 120 kids, most of whom were physically or developmentally disabled. In God's kingdom, Harvey and Irma are royalty. Jesus says, blessings on you, Irma, Harvey, the meek, for in God's kingdom, one day you will rule as regents in my kingdom. These first three blessings, I resist what happens to a lot of preachers and commentators. I, I resist trying to turn them into virtues, into things that we're supposed to do if we want to be blessed. Because I don't think Jesus is teaching virtue here. He's announcing God's blessing on those who have nothing to give. He brings good news to the poor and the broken, the brokenhearted and the powerless. Now let's go on to verse 6. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
Jesus blesses those who are starved for justice, who cry out to God to make things right, who ache for a better world. So the fourth beatitude is a lot like the first three. It's for people who, who have nothing to bring but their emptiness. But I also see Jesus wanting us, wanting us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness, you say, well, what is that? Righteousness means right living with God at the center, okay? It's right living with God at the center. And in the next chapter, Jesus tells us to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. That means we hunger and thirst for it. So I think the fourth beatitude transitions us into the next three, which uh, I want us to to do all three of these verses back and forth like we did the others. Verses 7, 8, and 9. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, the first four blessings were for people in dire straits. Uh, you know, and, and God blesses them with the, with the happy surprise of grace. These three blessings are for people who are living the change made possible by grace. For, for mercy. Um, you know, a lot of times we think of how some things are a downward spiral. Well, mercy is an upward spiral. You know, God shows mercy to us and we extend it to others and, and receive God's mercy and again extend it to others. When we fill flood buckets for people in need, we're showing mercy. When, when we forgive someone who's wronged us, we're showing mercy. And then there's purity. Uh, now, you think of purity. What, what if you have a glass of pure spring water and then a glass of, of dirty water that, you know, you got out of a puddle. One is clear, and the other is not. And pure in heart means being clear at the core. Sometimes we, we mess up, and we don't do things right, and, but, but if at the center... We're, we're clear if we seek to live God's way. We, our, that's our, our desire. We, we, may, we mess it up sometimes, but that's our desire is, to, is to, to live God's way. That's what it means to be pure in heart. Wednesday night at uh, student ministry, one of the songs that you students sang was a song called Center. And uh, we don't do it here on Sunday morning, but the, but the students do it. And it's a prayer, I think, to be pure in heart. It, the chorus says, O Christ, be the center of our lives. Um, be the place we fix our eyes. Be the center of our lives. And then there's peacemaking. Peacemakers, uh, they bring people together. They, they create wholeness. They create community. Uh, they fight poverty and they promote prosperity. Uh, but peacemakers will not always have an easy time. They will often be opposed. When you are advocating reconciliation, somebody's going to see you as the problem. They may see you as the enemy. 
And I believe that this transitions us into the last two blessings. So let's read verse 10 like we've done the others. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now let's read verses 11 and 12 all together. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you're merciful and pure in heart and live as peacemakers, don't be surprised if trouble comes your way. When you live for Jesus, you're going to be called a fanatic, a coward, a prude, a weakling, or unpatriotic. But Jesus says you are blessed. Reward awaits you. Someday you're going to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me tell you about a guy named uh, Adoniram Judson. What a name, Adoniram. He was a Baptist missionary who served in Burma in the early 1800s. And he went through some terrible, unspeakable suffering uh, while lying in stocks in prison for months. Uh, and these stocks created deep scars on his hands. After he gained his freedom, he approached the king of Burma and asked for permission to go to a certain city so that he could bring the gospel to them. And the king replied, I'm willing, I'm willing for a dozen preachers to go to that city, but not you. Not with those hands. He said, my people are not fools enough to listen to and follow your words but they will not be able to resist those scarred hands. Blessed are the persecuted. Someone has said that the first four blessings are like someone on their knees, nowhere else to turn. They're crying out, they're empty, they're hurting, they're grieving, hungry, and they hear the blessings that come to them, that Jesus speaks over them. And they, with the strength of those blessings, they are able to rise by the grace that is given to them. And they begin to live the kingdom life, to show mercy, to live in purity, to be peacemakers. But that's not always well received. And there are times when they are, the world beats them down and they are knocked down. You didn't think I was going to do that, did you? But they are, they are knocked down. And from there, they return to their knees, crying out empty, hurting, grieving, hungry grace they are blessed to stand again and maybe later they'll be knocked down again and have to start all over but through it all we are blessed through it all 
We are blessed. Let's pray. Jesus, we hear your blessing spoken over us who are kneeling and desperate. We are poor and needy, lost in our mourning, powerless against the powerful, starving for a world made right. And to our surprise and delight, you welcome us to your kingdom. Lord, right now we receive your blessing and open our hearts to your grace. Jesus, we hear your blessing spoken over us who are standing, seeking to live in your kingdom in mercy, purity, and peacemaking, but we cannot do it without you. And so right now, we receive your blessing and claim your strength. Jesus, we hear your blessing spoken over us who have been knocked down. You said this would happen. And so we draw some encouragement from that. And right now, we receive your blessing and we put our hope in you. And so all of us here today, wherever we are, we receive your blessing. In your name we pray. Amen.